0: John. First John is where we are on Sunday mornings as we're working verse by verse through this book and longing that God would just be speaking it into our lives. So hopefully you're making your way there. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles around you and the chairs in front of you. You can grab one of those, page number on the screen. You're welcome to open up an electronic device if that's how you want to track with us. But one way or another, we're inviting you to be in the Word of God with us. For you guys who are in the overflow and online, same invitation. Grab a Bible, join us in a way that God would speak to you through his word and it would just be alive and real in each one of us. In fact, that's what we need. And so we're gonna pause and just pray one more time. I'm gonna lead, but I'm hoping you would pray as well. That you would ask God to help you to understand what he has for you. That you would hear that from him this morning. So let's ask him for it right now. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I think about just holding it in our hands and having it before us. You tell us that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our path. In a world that is so dark, this is what we need. We need you to guide our lives. We need you to bring direction that accurately just shows us both who we are, what we need to do, where we need to go, Would you do that now? Would you cause your word to be that for each of us in a way that together we understand the passage, but personally, each one of us know exactly what we needed to hear out of this. You're the only one that can do that. I love that you can, but I'm asking for it. Teach us, show us, help us to hear, give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit says to us this morning. We ask for that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have fellowship. Yeah, that's kind of how I want to begin, or actually even as it says there as the title of our series, that you may have fellowship. Yeah, we've begun this series in the book of 1 John, a place where we're going to be looking at it verse by verse, and I've kind of given a title to the series. Interestingly enough, even though this is not our first week in it, it's the first time I've really tried to pause and explain it. This idea that the title of our series, that you may have fellowship, is literally taken from the verses that we're going to cover this morning, so why don't you just notice it with me there in 1 John, pick it up in verse 3. He says, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Wow. Hey, that's what we want to talk about this morning. And in some ways, I want to tell you, I really believe it's what the dominant theme is throughout the entire book of 1 John, this invitation, this call that you can have fellowship so what is fellowship? What do we mean by that? What are we defining? It's a huge word. The Greek word that's used here, some of you would recognize it is the word koinonia, uh, kind of just one that kind of describes this whole thing. You don't need to remember that, but in case it's helpful, I uh, just want you to understand it. And it describes something that is so huge that honestly definitions fall short. The literal translation of the word koinonia means to share with or to share in. But it's not just an external sharing. In fact, one of my favorite definitions of koinonia is both union and communion. Uh, Hudson Taylor really defined it in many ways. That way, wrote a book about it many years ago that this idea of what real fellowship is, this union and communion, this connection, and yet more than that, it's a constant or it's an active thing. In fact, one way to define this word koinonia is an active participation, not just a principle, It's a practice. It's not just something that's out there. It's a place where we are participating in, where we are a part of, well, the community, the community that God has us to be a part of. And that reality really does define in many ways what it is to be a part of the body of Christ, what it is to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's interesting. And the church was really beginning back in Acts 2 and Pentecost happens and people got saved by incredible numbers. It gave us an interesting verse in Acts 2.42 that some of you would know, wow, well, where it just told us what they did consistently. It says then they continued steadfastly, or this is what they did all the time. These are the priorities that they maintained. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers says there were things that when you think about what it was to be a church, what it was to be a people, there were basics that defined them that really were things that were never to be let go of. They were to be in the apostles' doctrine, which very simply for us would be an understanding of of the Bible, of the teaching of the Bible, the teaching of Christ that was passed down through that. So we are to be a Bible-centered people. We're to be a prayerful people, something that we're supposed to be a part of. We're a Christ-centered people, that the idea of breaking of bread or focusing on the cross, that we are constantly cross-focused, focused focused on uh, on Jesus being everything in our lives. So we're Bible-centered, prayer-centered, cross-centered, but fellowship-centered. Yeah, fellowship is essential. Fellowship is essentially a part of who we are, and it's meant to be something that we are constantly about that constantly a part of. And what makes that exciting for us this morning is that's exactly what God wants to tell us about. That here in John, first John, he's going to tell us, hey, we can have this and he's going to tell us how. But tell you what, let's go back and just read it for a moment. If you have your Bibles there again, why don't we go back to the very beginning uh, of the chapter, beginning in verse one. Interestingly enough, verses one through three, it's actually just one sentence. Even though we've broken it up into two weeks, it's just one sentence. So let's read the whole thing, plus verse 4, which we're going to cover this morning. It says, that which was from the beginning. Quick pause. That's Jesus. We talked about this last week. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, Jesus, that your joy may be full. Wow. Okay, so he's telling us, he's writing this for us. He says, I'm declaring this to you. I'm declaring that which we have been a part of, which again, if you were with us last week, we talked about that it's Jesus, that he's telling us that, that this one who is the word of life, who's the, from the beginning, who is the very expression of eternal life, that the nature of Christ, that he's everything. He says, we're telling you about Jesus, so you can have fellowship with us. So I want you to kind of imagine it this way when we think about it. If you can kind of picture it this way, I'm gonna do a little image here on the screen, but let's just quickly own this. I'm like not an artist. So this is like stick figure stuff, okay? So like you could probably do a better job in your own head or some of you could draw this out, but I want you to picture it as a cross. And when you think about the cross, I want you to see the very frame of it, the, the very thing that marks around it is that word fellowship, Or koinonia, that the entire thing is in that sense kind of encompassed by or outlines it and says, hey, this is what we have. And it begins to give us a picture of what fellowship is. Now, if this cross kind of works with you, I want you to understand that it pictures both a just declaration of it, but also how it's found. That first of all, he's talking to us about a fellowship that we have with God that we would talk about it as a vertical fellowship, or we would say loving God in Christ, that he's inviting us to a fellowship there, but it's also a horizontal fellowship, this idea of loving people. And these are together. These are, in a sense, as a part of that. And I want you to kind of have this in your brain. Again, if you are an artist, do a better job on your own. I'd love to see it. But in my mind, I just want you to kind of picture it this way, that you're looking at it, And this cross, this picture, it's all about what fellowship is, that fellowship is this place where these kind of flow in together, and it's going to be a big part of what we talk about in 1 John, that 1 John, from the beginning to the end, is going to help us grow in what that looks like, and certainly says, I'm declaring this to you so you could have it, so that you could see that. Well, as we begin that kind of walking around this idea of fellowship this morning, there are a couple things that I want to make sure you understand. The first is that they're connected. That is this vertical fellowship with God and this horizontal fellowship with people or specifically with the body of Christ. They're intricately connected. That there's a sense that when we think about it, having fellowship with God and having fellowship with God's people, they're unified. They're not two separate things. They are absolutely connected. Or again, I'm using it with those more simple words, love God. love people. Most of you should be familiar with that. It's certainly a part of what we talk about all the time. It's right there as you kind of come in the door, you see that verse kind of imprinted up on the wall, that reminder that when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. He says, that's number one. Number one most important thing in your life, love God. He says, the second is like it though. Like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus goes on in Matthew, and he says, "On these two commandments hang all the law and the gospel." Or, if we were to say it in a kind of a simple way for us, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, is encompassed in those two statements. This whole thing—the law, the whole of the, uh, the truth that God gives us, the entirety of the whole thing—is calling us into this relationship where we love God and we love people. Everything is about that that's important. But what John's going to tell us both this morning and in 1 John as a whole is that these are so much a part of each other that you can't have one without also having the other. It's actually an impossibility. So he'll reason with us a couple times in 1 John. He's going to say, there are going to be some people that say, I love God. I just don't like people. And they are going to say, uh, no, you don't. You don't. Because if you really love God, you will love his people. There's no way to, if if you don't have that horizontal love, you don't have the vertical love. He's gonna also argue that some people are gonna say, well, I kind of, you know, I feel good with people. It's just God and I are distant. He says, no, you don't. If you don't have, if you have one, you have the other. If you don't have one, the other is also missing. Because these two are not separate things in the sense that you could have one and then later add the other, They're intricately united and connected, that they are a part of that. So again, we're gonna talk about that in a lot of ways in the book of 1 John. We're gonna see a lot of the ways that that works together, and it certainly would be helpful. But as he launches it, one of the things that he's gonna make abundantly clear to us, and I, by God's grace and help and the work of the Spirit this morning, I wanna convince you of, is the source of that, of how that it works, of how that fellowship works, you know, flows out and, and how we have them. So let's just read it again so you see it there in the text. We see it there. It tells us in verse 3, it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay. So fellowship, this idea of having this love God, love people, this vertical and this horizontal relationship, it begins with an understanding that that fellowship with God, the fellowship, the source of your fellowship with God is Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's in Jesus being manifest, manifest. That's kind of a cool word and we spent more time on it last week, but I just want you to go back and notice it. Go back to verse two for a moment. He says it this way, the life, which is, by the again, the life is Jesus. The life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life that was with the Father and was, notice it again, manifested to us. Manifested. It has the idea of revealed, made known. Fully known, comprehended as a part of it, that life that was manifested, he tells us that's what Jesus is for us. And what I want to tell you is that's how we have fellowship with God. The way that we have fellowship with God is only through Jesus, it's through him being manifest into our lives. And yet, what I want to tell you is not only is that the way, that's the promise. See, John is writing this, but In the background behind this, it's an interesting thing. Much of what John tells us in 1 John really is things that are emphasized in John uh, 14, 15, and 16, uh, which is the final night that Jesus spent with the disciples. Almost all the truths that are found in uh, 1 John are found in those sections. It's as if that place that John saw it, he's telling us what Jesus was telling them. And so there in John 14, it gives it to us this way. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says, A little while and the world will see me no more. But you will, saw, will see me, because I live, you will live also. Okay, so Jesus is writing this, to, he's speaking this to the disciples, excuse me, the night before he goes to the cross, and one of the things he's telling them is, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna depart, and I'm gonna go be with my father. They didn't fully comprehend it, but they certainly didn't like it. You're like, well, this is just, wait, wait. You're, you're leaving, but that's exactly what would happen. The next day, Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die for our sins. Three days later, he's going to rise from the grave. And then 40 days later, he will ascend. He will ascend into heaven, no longer being physically present here on the earth. And so he's telling them, hey, just a little while longer, and the world's not going to see me any longer. I'm not going to be physically present here. But you're going to see me, he tells them. But that's going to be where you're met by me in a world that can't see me. In fact, he goes on to simply say, he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. And well, again, kind of note it, I will manifest myself to him. He says, here's what I'm gonna do for you. You know, here, if if you walk with me and you walk in my ways, you're gonna see me. You're gonna be manifest to me. Now, this is an incredible promise. But one of the things we need to understand is it's a promise for us, all of us. Uh, We get that in part, one of Jesus' disciples who also uh, went by the name Judas, not Judas Iscariot, it tells us right off the bat, he asked Jesus a question. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? I mean, how is it you're gonna do this? You're gonna reveal yourself. Is this something only for us? Like the apostles, I mean, we saw you for three and a half years and we got to spend this time with you and so Jesus, are you telling us that This relationship you have established with us, it's now um, a unique relationship, never to be replicated, never to be continued in. The world's no longer gonna see you. I mean, what about this world? What about the world that doesn't know Jesus? What about this broken, sorrowful, dying world? What are they gonna be made to do? Are you gonna manifest yourself to us, but not to the world? Jesus answers, and he simply says it this way. He answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. I mean, just like, wow. I mean, you just need to understand this right now. He says, here's how it works. If anybody loves me, if anybody, if anybody will do this, anybody is, well, anybody. You, if anybody, if you'll love me, and you'll, you'll, you'll walk in my ways, If you will do this and and, and keep my word, then we're going to make our home with you. My father and I are going to come and make our home with you. That's Jesus being made manifest to us. In fact, let me just go back to the verse where he used that word. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear it both as a statement, but a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise that Jesus is making to everybody, but to you. If you'll do this, if you'll do this, if you will, you know, love me and and, and follow me and follow my ways, I will make myself known to you. I will manifest myself to you. I will make it so that you connect with me, so that you have that relationship with me. And so when John is talking about this, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, I'm telling you about Jesus. I'm telling you about the one who who came. I'm telling you the good news of the gospel is this opportunity for you to have this incredible reality that Jesus would be made manifest to us. Now, the entire book book of 1 John is about this. In other words, we're making it as a statement this morning, but it's almost an introduction to everything we're going to talk about. Like, how do we do that? How do we have this relationship with Jesus? That's where we're going to spend our time in the book of 1 John, talking about how we deal with sin, how we deal with our world, how we deal with false teachers, how we deal with our own hearts, lots of fun stuff in the midst of it. But all of it kind of falls into this saying, Jesus is going to draw us to him. And he's giving us this promise to be made manifest to us. Now, it's important to say it. In fact, let me come back and say it a different way. What 1 John is telling us, and what I'm telling you now, and what Jesus spoke on that night before he went to the cross, is the simple reality is that fellowship is found nowhere else. There is no other space. There is no other way to have a vertical relationship with God that also is going to connect you into that horizontal relationship with men without having a relationship with Jesus. He's the only way. In fact, he would say it there in John 14:6, right? Some of you know the verse where Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody can have this without Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you don't have it. Now, John will talk about this more, that Jesus is the opening, Jesus is the manifestation, that what we need is him, and you can't have this without Jesus. You can't have this without him, and that's essentially and wonderfully true, but it's also such an incredible opportunity. Because I'm just telling you right now. There's not anybody in this room right now. There's not anybody watching online or overflow that Jesus is not telling you. I will make myself known to you if you want this. If you want to know me, I will manifest myself to you. I will help you to have this relationship with Jesus, a personal, real relationship with Jesus that could be there, and that's what we need. So there is this kind of vertical, this love God in Christ that is the source of that is essentially Christ. It is who he is. It's walking with him, knowing him, brings us into this relationship, and that is how we have fellowship with God. That's good. I mean, I just want to tell you, that's really, really good news. It's really, really hopeful for us. It's really, really an opportunity, but clear for us to understand, and many of you understand that this morning. That's good. And I hope just to only re- just affirm and say that is true. But what I need to convince you of this morning is the second part. So if the source of our fellowship with God is Jesus, Jesus being manifest to us, true, then what you need to also understand is that the source of our fellowship with people is our fellowship with God. That the source of our fellowship with people, specifically the people of God, specifically the church, the body of Christ, the source of that is our fellowship with God. Now, that's incredible. That's challenging. But that's exactly what he says. So I want you to go back and see it so you can see it on the page and not just on my lips. He says it to us this way there in verse three. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship. How are you gonna have fellowship? How are you gonna have fellowship with us? How are you gonna have fellowship with God's people? Through the manifestation of Christ. Through, he says, I'm telling you about Jesus. I'm telling you who he is so that you can have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. That that fellowship, the way that we have fellowship with people, the way that we connect to the body of Christ is through Jesus. Now, this is so amazing. This is so incredibly wonderful, and let me again just say it's 100% true. So if you're here this morning, and you're a follower of God, and you've believed in Jesus, if you're born again, and you have a born-again relationship with Jesus, something incredibly happened. The moment you were saved, the very moment that you were, again, to use Jesus's words there in John 3, that you were born again, The moment you were born again, not only did you enter into a right relationship with God, you became a part of the family of God. You became a part of the people of God. You entered into the fellowship of God, not because of anything that you are doing, were doing, not not through the practices that would flow out of that. You enter into that family of God simply through Christ through believing in him, through having that relationship with him, and that happened instantaneously. And that reality is that which he's calling you and I to see. He's telling us, hey, this is what we need. This is what we we get to walk in. This is what we get to be a part of. In fact, I could go so far as to say it this way, that if you feel distant from people, specifically the people of God, then what you and I need to do is look to our fellowship with with God, not with people. Okay. Let's walk around this for a few moments. I mean, I, I, I hope this isn't complicated, but I going to tell you, this is what I want to just drive home. I mean, I just want you to get it. Some of you do. Some of you, this is stuff you've already figured out, but many of you have not. And it's a struggle that we face every day. Now, here's the deal. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, being a Christian makes everything automatic, No, the whole Bible comes through and begins to express to us how to do this. And so there's much instruction in the New Testament, specifically, about how we live this love out, this calling for how we love people, that we're to forgive one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another. Hey, we need those instructions. We need that that would instruct us in how to do that. But what I wanna drive home is those instructions don't create it. They just put feet to it. They just help us figure out how to do what we've been made to do in Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then that fellowship is already there. And that fellowship is connected to your fellowship with God. So that as that gets right, you find yourself in fellowship with people. So I've already said, if you're a believer and it came to know Jesus. You were born again. It happened instantaneously. Maybe you were aware of it right then. Maybe from the beginning of your Christian life, you kind of had this like, wow, I just, I know God. And somehow I feel like I'm a part of something. Maybe you are aware of it. Maybe you weren't. Not all of us are. But for some of you, it's happened in a very positive way. So maybe it happened like this. Let's just kind of just imagine it for a moment. Maybe you had a really good day with the Lord. I hope you have some of those. I know they're not every day. I know that we struggle and that's part of this world that we live in until we know Jesus. That's where all of us kind of deal with this wrestling with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, the pride of life, everything that's in the midst of that. So that's, that's part of our life. We'll talk about that in 1 John. But I hope you've had one of those good days, the kind of place where you just feel close to Jesus, where you're like, I'm just enjoying him. I'm just enjoying walking with God and, and Jesus is doing what he promised to do. He's making himself known to you he's manifesting himself to you. Now, if that happens, what I want to put to you is just because of that, there begins to be a sense of connection. So it probably might happen something like this. Like maybe you're having one of those days and you wake up Sunday morning, maybe it was this morning and you kind of, like, man, it's just good. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. It's just so much fun. And you drove into the parking lot, you pulled into the parking lot. And before you even talked to one person, you just kind of felt home. It's like, I just, I feel home. I just feel like I, I, like these are my people and 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 I love them and they love me. And it didn't have anything to do with anybody talking to you yet or talking about it. You just there was something that just flowed, not because of something that was happening, but it flowed out of your relationship with God. And I'd say it's a wonderful reality. It's a wonderful reality when, when that's a part of it. Now Again, please don't misunderstand me. You know, there's a, there's a sense that when that's there, I really put to you, it will, it will be there. And, and that becomes both the source of it and it can overcome everything else. So let's come at it in a different direction. So in one sense, we're talking about that the source of our fellowship with people, with each other, is our relationship with God. And I've tried to give it to you in a positive way. Let's talk about it in a negative way. So I kind of used it here, if you feel distant from people, what you should be doing is looking to your fellowship with God. But for most Christians, that's not necessarily their go-to thought. So here's what will happen. So, you know, there'll be a, a Christian that can start feeling disconnected, just feel, you know, unloved. And it can, you, you can be even be in church. It might be you this morning. You might sit here this morning and you just kind of feel like, man, I don't, I, I feel like isolated in the midst of a crowd. I mean, there's all these people here, but I don't really sense that I'm a part of that. I, I, I feel distance from that. I feel a disconnection. Now, that reality is something probably all of us have felt at one time or another, and you probably will again. But the question is, when that happens, what do you do with it? Well, some people, people in the first service, you guys are good, but you know, we're just going to talk about them for a second. People in the first service um, would have one or two go-to things that would be the wrong assumptions. The first assumption is that I'm broken. The first assumption is, well, you know, I feel disconnected, but it's just my personality. I'm just not really one of those personable people. I'm kind of an introvert, I, I, I don't really connect well with people, and so I'm I feel disconnected, and I'm the problem, that it's just me, and it's an impossibility for me to, to really have, you know, that sense of whatever fellowship is. I just want to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. Because Jesus is promising us this. He is promising us that we can have fellowship. He's not telling you that you have to be an an extrovert. He's not saying that all Christians are extroverts. That's not true. God made extroverts and introverts. And if you're an introvert, you can be an introvert in fellowship with the body of Christ. I mean, be who you really are. But the reality is recognizing that if you feel a disconnect, that the problem isn't your personality. That's true, I just—I mean, I could spend more time on that, maybe we'll come back to it. But maybe the second bigger thing is it's not other people's fault. And here's where many Christians go wrong. We begin to feel isolated, we begin to feel alone, we begin to feel disconnected and we begin to blame the people around us. It's this people, they're just not very loving. I mean this church, they're just not a nice church. And here's how it works some people, because of that, will actually move churches. Now, quickly understand this. I am not an anti against people moving churches. I really believe God does it. I believe sometimes God moves people from our church to other churches. I believe sometimes he moves people from other churches to here. But my question is always, why? If it is the Father, and I believe he's the shepherd of his sheep, and sometimes kind of for the health of his sheep, it's like, okay, you need a different pastor, like, like this is a good space for you, and I, I, I am great with it when God is leading, and I believe he does that, but one of my questions always is, when somebody begins to move is, well, why, and for some people, it really is this thought of just feeling like, you know, I just didn't feel connected, I didn't feel like the people loved me, I didn't feel like they were a very loving church, a very kind church. And so I'm going to come to a more loving church. And here's the deal. If that's you, maybe you're here this morning. You're like, I'm thinking about coming to this church because my other church is unloving and you guys feel loving. Can I tell you something right now? If that's your motivation, you're going to leave this church too. Because you're going to get here after a while and you go, man, these people too. These people are the same way. They talk to you nice, and then they get to know you a little bit, and they cut you off, and they don't, they, they don't love me. They don't, they, don't, they don't shower me with it. I, I don't feel connected, so i got to keep moving till I find a place where I feel that connection. And I'm just telling you the problem that you feel is not people. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Christians always behave right. They don't. Much of the New Testament has to talk to us about how to do this. But here's the beautiful thing. If you're actually in fellowship with God, you're able to look over all that. So you come to church, and you're like, yeah, they're kind of weird sometimes. I love them anyway. <laughs> they're not really nice to me, but, you know, that's just something God's working on in them. But, you know, I'm good. Like, like I love them. We're like family, and they're kind of stuck with me forever. I hope God plants my house next to them, you know? I mean, I mean however you kind of want to think about that, but you're like, this is my family. And, and it has nothing to do with who they are or what they're doing, I, I have it because I'm connected to Jesus. But the problem is, we just don't always believe that. So that sometimes what happens is that when we feel disconnect and when we feel alone, and when we feel that lack of fellowship, we have a propensity of blaming it on others. and, and, and just begin to think, "Wow. I mean, you, you guys are just failing me. I mean, you're just, you're, you're leaving me alone and not doing a good job. And this people aren't right. And I just want to tell you, that's not the problem. And I don't mean it in a harsh way. And I definitely don't mean it in a mean way. I just want to tell you fellowship, what fellowship is, is found in Christ, So that when you're in fellowship with Christ, he brings you into that vertical fellowship that immediately also brings you into that horizontal fellowship. So that it's this fellowship that that works in that so that when that happens, you know, that you find yourself there. And here's the very powerful reality out of that. If you could get that, it directs us immediately to where we need to go. In fact, I think about it this way. I like it. He's gonna go on, but I'll just put it up on the screen. In verse seven, he'll say the same thing. He says, if we walk in the light, which is God, he's in the light, as he is in the light, catch it, we have it. We have fellowship with one another. So how do you and I have fellowship together? Is it because you treat me nice and I treat you nice? Is that the basis of our fellowship now? It's walking with him when I'm walking with God in Christ, guess what? I have it, I have it. I, you don't have to do anything yet. Yeah, it's not anything that you do or I need to do. Immediately when that's there, when, when I'm right in Christ, it brings us into that realm of fellowship and we have it. It doesn't just open up the door for it, it doesn't just create the space for it, it is that. And I just wanna do my very, very best to convince you of this. Because I just want to tell you, you're struggling with it. Probably everybody struggles with it at one point or another in their Christian life. And for many of us, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant place where we move up and down. Because again, that's the nature of our Christian life and the struggles that we have here. But again, the problem is that we just assume the wrong answers. So again, here's what happens. You don't have fellowship. You don't feel this union and communion. You don't feel this connection with God, and you don't feel it with people. And sometimes it's the people one that seems more obvious. And so again, we tend to do one of two things. Either we just think, well, that's not possible for me. I can't do it. Or it's other people. And we fail to recognize the source. And because we fail to recognize the source so often, we both elongate and stay in this space where we lack fellowship because we're looking for the answer in the wrong place. So I'm just trying to convince you. I mean, so that it would be this way, almost imagining it like a a car dashboard, if you will. So you're driving down the car and that little dummy light comes on, you know, check engine, you know, like something's wrong. What I want to convince you of is when you feel that lack of fellowship, I just want to convince you, I know where the problem lies. It's Jesus. You've drifted. Something 's got between you and Jesus somehow you 've drifted from the centrality of that you you 've drifted from the union and communion that 's in christ and, and so if that 's there, I just want to draw you back to the source so that you don 't spend so much unnecessary time either you know just feeling bad about who you are like you 're broken or angry at everybody else because they 're not loving and kind enough you know that you could say that 's not really the problem <laughs> they 're not really the problem i I don't feel fellowship, and I know where that fellowship comes from because if the fellowship is mine in Christ, if I get to it from Christ, then that's where I need to go. Then what I desperately need is to make that the focus so that I'm pressing into that. And, guys, that's the source of it. And here's the amazing thing it works. I mean, some of you got this and you totally know this in your life. I just want to tell you it works because Jesus promised. He says, if you'll do it, if you will love me, if you'll walk in my ways, I will manifest myself to you. And John just told us, if if, if Jesus is manifested to you, you have fellowship. You have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with people. And there's just not anybody in the room right now that this could look at and say, boy, that sounds nice. That sounds nice for other people. that's nice for other people, but I can't really get there, yes, you can, yes, you can, because here's where the access is found, and and I so long that you would both believe me, but also put it into practice, because hear me again, you're not alone in this, there's not anybody in this room that probably has no idea what I'm understanding, what I'm trying to communicate to you, or, or maybe I'm just not communicating it well enough, which is entirely possible, but I just want to tell you, there's nobody that hasn't experienced this or goes through this on a common place. But for many of us, we just handle it wrong. We don't get it. We don't understand. We, we feel disconnected. We feel lonely. We feel isolated. And either we, again, think I'm broken or we think it's other people's fault. And we fail to recognize it's Jesus we need. And we fail to recognize you can have this. Because again, I love the way it's just a promise to us there. There in verse three, sorry, verse three, where he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship. I just want you to hear it again. You may have fellowship. Like you can have this union and communion with God's people and this union and communion with God. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. That's possible for you. That's in in the wheelhouse of what God would want for you. That's exactly what he would have for you. But the thing is, you gotta know where the source is. I wish I could say it better. I mean, I I struggled through it in the first service, kind of ended thinking, I wish I could have said it better and kind of was hoping God would give me a better way to say it. And now I stand here wanting to say the same thing. Like, I wish I could convince you. I mean, 100% convince you. Because there's so much time wasted. and There's so much time wasted when We are in those spaces instead of recognizing that as quick as it happens, like, okay, I feel distant. I feel cut off. I know where I need to go. It's Jesus. I know him. That it should be like this instantaneously, like, Lord, the the problem isn't anything else but my relationship with you. And I don't know what went wrong, but let's figure out what went wrong. And I need to press into this because that's what I need. And it's found in Jesus. And if you believe that, I mean, like, really believed that, it would change the way you do some of your life. It would change the way you handle things. It would change the way you handle that place when you don't have fellowship. And there's not anybody in this room that doesn't need that. There's not anybody in this room that is not there to understanding that we need to understand that these two things are connected. To have one is to have the other. And it flows from Jesus, both the relationship with God and with people, and we need to know the source. And that's just good, good news. But if it wasn't like good enough, I mean, if that wasn't just like, okay, that's all you needed to know, John just tosses in another little nugget that he also got from Jesus. So let's go back to it and see it. So he gives it to us this way. I'll just read it again, beginning in verse three. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you. That your joy may be full. Yeah. So here's what he's trying to tell us is if we didn't need, you know, anything else to convince he says if you could have this, it would be fullness of joy to you. It would be joy. It would be a place where you could have joy. Now, that's just a powerful reality. I don't think there's anybody here that's like, okay, I don't even know what joy is. No, you, you, you probably do. Joy that place of just experiencing and joy that draws us both to hope and peace and confidence, how you define that is an amazing thing. In some ways, the Christian joy is even undefinable. I like the way Peter would say it when he would talk about it. He says in 1 Peter 1, he says, Jesus, whom you've not seen, you love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. So Peter's walking around the same thing. He says, you guys don't have this physical relationship with Jesus. You don't get to physically see him, but he's manifested himself to you. Like you know him, you believe him, you love him. And what comes out of that is you have this joy. And then he's trying to like define, he says, actually, it's inexpressible. Like if I was trying to define it, it it'd be like, I can't figure out how to say it. That's going to what he's saying, and that's where I am. It's joy that you couldn't even define it so good. It's glorious. It's absolutely full of glory. It's absolutely this beautiful thing that flows out of that. He says that's what we have, and what John is telling us is that joy that he's offering to us, that joy that he's speaking about flows out of this fellowship with God and this fellowship with people, that he is that source of joy. Okay, coming in a different direction. So sometimes it's helpful when we think about understanding joy is to compare it to happiness. Now, please don't hear anything I'm going to say as being like someone who's against happiness. I mean, like who would be against happiness? Or neither is it saying happiness is a bad thing. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, we live in a country that by its very charter, right, that we could be a people that pursue life, liberty, and and, then the pursuit of happiness. But here's the thing about happiness, Happiness is based on happenstance or happenings. That happiness is connected to something. And that could be a good thing. And it could actually be something that you are even very thankful to and even worship God. I mean, you could sit down and have a really good meal and you finish that meal and you're like, man, I'm just so happy. i just, that was good. Like I enjoyed that. That's happiness. It's not unchristian. It's not that there's a sense that you're not thankful to God for it. You should be. We're to receive everything that God gives us with thankfulness. And so their happiness is is, is sometimes just a part of it. And it's, it's a good part of the Christian life. Sometimes happiness and joy weave together. But the key about joy is it has nothing to do with your circumstances. That happiness is connected to what's happening. Joy doesn't flow from your life. It doesn't flow from what's happening in your life. It flows from your relationship with Jesus so that you can have joy all the time. Now, that's what Jesus promised us. Again, that's what John is referring to. And think about it again, going back to that, that final night with Jesus and Jesus is talking to the disciples and John's writing about it. And so he says, you know, Jesus speaking, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full which is exactly what John's talking about, right? I mean, that's, he says, I'm wanting you guys to have this fullness of joy. And that's what Jesus is probably, he says, "God, to, I've told you about this because I want you to have my joy, my joy. How do we have that? Well, this whole little context, especially in John 15, really began with this image where Jesus is dis- defining you know, him as the vine and us as the branches. And he says, here's the thing, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine.'" Neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus says, you know, I'm, I'm the source. I'm I'm like the roots. I'm like the I'm like the whole source of this thing. And you're 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 a branch connected to that. And as much as you're connected to me, as much as you stay connected to me, boy, there'll be fruit. Your life will make a difference because you've been made for this. What well, can we use the, the idea of fellowship? You've been made for union and communion with Christ. You've been made for this connection to, this abiding relationship in Jesus. And he says, if you will do that, if you'll stay in me, if you'll cling to me and hold to me and and, and walk with me, there's going to be fruit that abounds out of your life. There's going to be good things that flow out of who you are. And so he goes on again to say from that, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. Now that's probably just enough of a connection, but just to make it a little bit more, I don't know why the New King James did this, but they they translated the word uh, remain here, but it's actually the same word that was used in verse four and five as abide. And sometimes just to make sure you see the connection is helpful. So we'll just translate it that way. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may abide. My joy may abide in you and your joy may be full. He said, I want you to abide in me and I'll abide in you. And if you do this, we'll have this abiding relationship. We'll have this thing. And you know what that's going to do for you? You're going to be joyful. You're going to have a joy, unspeakable and full of glory. If you stick with me, there's joy. Like that'll be the, the, the outflow of this abiding relationship with Jesus. In fact, he'll go on in chapter 16 and say, and your joy no one will take from you. I mean, it's a joy that can't be robbed. Your happiness can be robbed your happiness is sometimes wrong. Life goes badly. Things go wrong. You lose somebody. You lose a job. You lose a car. You, things go wrong, and we say, I don't feel happy, which would make sense. You shouldn't be happy about those things, but joy isn't that. Joy isn't connected to anything that's happening in your life because we have it in God, and nothing That could ever take from us could rob us from our relationship with Christ. So he'd say it like Romans 8. He says, you know, here's what we have. You know, though all these things come against us, what could what could, you know, steal us away from Christ? What could keep us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? And he comes to the simple conclusion, nothing. I mean, there's just nothing could take our joy. Because joy, real joy, the world can't touch it. The world can't take it away. Because that's what we have in Jesus. There is this incredible Joy that is there. Wow. Did you know that's possible for you? I mean, some of you, I mean, again, just by your nature, you're kind of maybe a happier person. That's good. But did you know that there's a joy that would be just for you, not connected to what you're going through? Some of you aren't as much that way. In fact, again, you've kind of just believed a lie and you said, well, you know, that works for other people. Other people can be happy and other people can be joyful. I'm just kind of a somber person. (laughs) I don't really have it. I don't really have it. And you've believed you're broken. That's a lie. Jesus just told you, you could have fullness of joy. Because the joy isn't about you, it's about him. But the problem is that sometimes we've looked for it in all the wrong places. And so he's calling us to say, no, this is what we need. And if we have it, we would become a joyful people. And I don't know if that sounds exciting to you. I don't know if that invites you. I'm just gonna pause and say, it incredibly invites me. It incredibly, I I want to be a joyful person. I want to be someone who's known for my joy. I want the world to see it. I honestly think one of the best gospel representations we could have in the world is to be a people of joy. That if we really have joy, people would say, How do you have that? Why are you joyful? And we could be able to say, It's Jesus. Like we know Jesus. My joy isn't connected to this world. I have joy in Christ, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and you could have it too. I long for such joy, and I recognize the need for more of it, and yet that's the problem. We need to recognize it. Charles Spurgeon said it this way in a message that he gave in this section. He said, too many Christians, too many Christians excuse me, are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize that it's a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. He said, one of the big problems is that some Christians, like those in the first service, not you guys, you guys are okay, but those who in first service, they lose their joy and then they just kind of like, oh, well, this is life. This is who I am. That's just my makeup or it's just the way life is right now. Instead of recognizing, no, to lose my joy, that's a big loss. And it's a loss of something that Jesus said I could have. And I need to fix it. So how do I fix it? Well, it's everything we've talked about. So Spurgeon would say it this way. We need to do, they need to do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that joy. What's the problem? Somehow I'm distant from God. I didn't know what happened. It's not your fault. It's not the world's fault. It's not the bad things that are happening in the world that have robbed me of my joy. No, it's something with my relationship with Jesus. And I need to fix it. I need to do everything I can to fix it. Because if I fix it, I'll have fullness of joy. The source of my joy isn't the world. The source of my joy is Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's loving him that connects me both to him and to God's people. And that would bring me fullness of joy. And I'm just telling you, it's possible for you. It's possible for every one of us. And he wants us to have it. He longs for you. He longs for for me. He says, you could have this fullness of joy so that John would write it again. Hey, this is why I'm writing to you. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. That would be exceptional. That would be amazing. That would be delightful, and you can have it. Wow. You know, I think about all of this. I think about what we're talking about, this loving God, this loving people, and certainly one of the things we're trying to understand is yes, these are connected. To have one is to have the other. Thus, the source of both of them is a relationship with God in Christ. And if we have that, we would have joy. You know, I think about how needed this is, and I think you guys know this, but I want to just pause and say, what an incredible need there is in our world right now. You know, according to a recent survey that one group did, 61% of those who were surveyed admitted to be struggling with deep and, and, and serious loneliness, loneliness that, that just really did invade their lives. And I just want to tell you, that was probably an understatement. Probably some people are less honest because here's the deal. It's huge. In fact, some would say that we have in our world right now an epidemic of loneliness. And I think it's true. I think it's incredibly true. You know, we think about the world that we've walked through. We think about the COVID year and the weirdness. And here's the thing. COVID and the responses to COVID have accentuated this, has made it more visible in places. It didn't cause it though. It didn't cause it. Because it wasn't the cause of it. We have an increase in suicides happening in our world right now. And those who kind of watch that tell us those who are moving that direction, you know, why are they committing suicide? Because they lose all hope, because they have no joy, they have no connection. But here's what I'm trying to convince you of the problem isn't COVID, and the problem isn't our world, and the problem isn't that the church isn't loving enough. The problem is a lack of relationship with Jesus because Jesus is the solution. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're outside of a relationship with God, and maybe that's why you came. You're like, I just want to come to a place that's nice to me. <laughs> you're like, everybody else is mean to me. Maybe some place will be nice to me. This isn't going to fix it. The fix that would fix you is Jesus, and, and he, he gave you a promise. He gave you a promise that if you would seek him, he says, I'll make myself known to you. Like, we can have a relationship where you know me, and I know you, And that relationship will both bring you into a relationship with God and into a relationship with His people that would be incredible joy. That is His offer to you this morning if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus. But if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you need it as well. You need it as well. You need to know that it's there. Warren Wearsby said it well this way He said, Fellowship is Christ's answer to the loneliness of life, joy is His answer to the emptiness and hollowness of life. It can be lonely. You know, you can sit even in a church, even next to people and feel lonely. It really doesn't matter the size of the crowd. It's just you. And so you could be here this morning and you could feel lonely. And you might. I mean, honestly, you might. You might be in this place where you'd say, I I feel lonely. Or maybe I like the way he says it. I I feel the hollowness of life. You ever experienced that? Where you just feel that life is empty, unsatisfying? I might even use the word boring. Have you ever been in a place where it's like, life feels boring? It just feels boring to me. Here's the deal. I know what the problem is. It's not the world. It's Jesus. And yet we have a world that is trying to deal with emptiness and loneliness, boring, by more entertainment. So people are like, man, I just needed Netflix, another thing, you know, I just, I need, I, I need another, you know, series to watch, or I need a new video game, or I need a new drug, or maybe I need a new friendship, or I need, maybe I need a new marriage, or maybe I need a new family. I mean, what's gonna satisfy my life? Because I'm not happy right now. I'm lonely, I'm empty. And so people are spending time, a lot of time, trying to fill something with things that will never satisfy And I'm trying to convince you this morning that's not gonna fix the problem. Not for them, but nor for you. And one of the things that grows really, really well is if we begin to figure this out. So that when we're there, and you will be there, and some of you are there right now. I mean, like honestly, you're in this room and you're sitting next to people and you still feel alone. You feel like, I am alone. I feel lonely. I feel empty. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm just telling you I know the problem it's Jesus. You need to know Jesus. And you can. And if you get that fixed, you will enter into fellowship with God. And you'll enter into fellowship with his people. And there's hope found you. There's a way found for you. But the key is to get there more quickly. So when that happens, when we find ourselves in this place where that's not happening, that we become those who very quickly identify the problem and pursue it. Because here's the deal. For some of us, we've wasted a lot of time with other things. I have. You know, I go through my, I'm, I'm, I'm not oblivious to this. I, I can get to the place that my, I drift a little bit and all of a sudden I feel disconnected and bored. And then sometimes we can spend time trying to fix it with, like, okay, well, I just need to try better than this. I need to do this. Instead of saying, I know what the problem is. Like right now, I know what the problem is. It's Jesus. God, I need to know you. I've drifted. I don't know what happened. I don't know what got in the way, but I got in the way. And Jesus, you're promising me that I can have this. And if we could get there more quickly, we would fix the problem more readily. And I'm telling you, it would work. I'm just telling you, it would work. Again, if you don't know Jesus, it'll work. If you know Jesus, it'll work. Because that's what he's saying. Can we read it one more time? And then we'll close with that. So we we see all of this. And so he's giving it to us there in verse three. He says, that which we have seen and heard We declare to you. I mean, we're telling you about Jesus. We're telling you about Jesus manifest in our lives. He says that you, yeah, you, you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you. That your joy may be full. Please understand. This is written to you. You can have this. Fellowship is possible for you. Fellowship is possible for you. You can have fellowship with God and with his people. It's not a personality problem. It's not a problem with our world. What we need is Jesus. And you can have joy, full joy, fullness of joy. And where you're going to find that is in Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus, a place where Jesus said, I'll, nobody can take this joy from you. I'll give you joy. This abiding relationship with Jesus is what you and I need. And that's where it's found. Oh, that God would convince us of that. Well, let's close there. You can close your Bibles, notebooks, whatever it is you have open, and let's just simply ask that he would draw us into that. That God would do more than I've done, take you deeper than I was able to take you, but just convince you. Convince you and me that this is possible. So would you take a moment, whatever God has talked to you about this morning, talk to him about. I'm gonna do the same thing. We're just gonna take a moment and quickly pray and then we'll close in worship. And maybe, again, it's right where you are today. Maybe you feel alone. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you what you need. You need Jesus. Some of you are doing really well right now, but you need to learn this so that when it happens, you're just more quick to go, I know what I need. I need Jesus. I need to press into that relationship with him, the place that he's promising to make himself known to me, to manifest himself to me, to to bring me into this relationship. And so wherever that's found you this morning, would you talk to him about it? I'll do the same, and we'll close in worship in just a moment. God, I thank you for fellowship. I thank you that that's possible. I pray for any right now here this morning that are outside of this, that you would bring them to you, that they would recognize what they need is you and that your promise is profoundly true. That if they would seek you, they would find you. That if they would love you and obey you, that you would manifest yourself to them. I believe that. I ask that for all those here that don't know you, but I also ask it for those of us who know you. God, forgive us for being slow to get this sometimes. Wasting time, blaming others, or just feeling the fault in ourselves that it was impossible for us to have fellowship, which is a lie. Because you said we can. God, would you teach us to be a people who are quick to recognize the source of our need, that it's you. That fellowship with you brings us into joy unspeakable and full of glory that that fellowship with you brings us into fellowship with your people automatically. God, teach us how to do that. Teach us to do that better. Would you teach us to abide in Christ? Would you teach us to be those who stay in that union and communion with you? Would you draw us to live lives that are more in that union and communion that you offer to us even now? Teach us, show us, draw us. I ask for it for me and for all of us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God do that in you. May he show you the things he has for you. If you need to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus or just about where you are, we're here. Make your way up after service. Pastor Phil will be here. We'll have others available if we need them, but we'd just love to walk with you. in Or maybe just talk and pray with somebody before you leave would be a great thing. But right now we want to close in worship. So why don't you stand? We're going to make our just declaration to God and, and long that he would meet us in that, longing that you would join us in that. But I just want to bless you in his name. Lord, bless you